Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Succession, The Bear, The Last of Us. These are some of the excellent TV shows we will not be talking about in (laughs) IGN's Alternative TV Awards this year. My name is Dale Driver and with me I have Emma Matthews. Hello. And I have Matthew Jones. Hello. Emma Matthew Jones. That's Yeah, we've yeah. I can we, see that on screen and somehow it connects, but it's not really no, if we like thing, um, is it? if we went into the machine from the fly, that is what would emerge <laughs> afterwards. Yeah. Emma Matthews Jones. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. I occasionally um I put out music under the name uh, Natalie Portmanteau. I love a I love a portmanteau. <laughs> That's pretty good. I didn't know you did music. A little bit every now and then. What sort of music? Uh, what did I put out? Like the last two records were like some sampled stuff. Um, the I don't know. T- tough to describe. Very guitar-y, but they've got some like Rhodes piano in as well. Um, Is it I, all instrumental stuff, or do you sing? Uh, no, I don't. I don't really have the voice for it. I used to as a kid. I used to sing, but uh, oh. I kind of lost that now. Um, but I put out like a couple. Um, like I make stuff with the Korg app for the mm-hmm. Switch. Right. So for the um, Switch. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. It's really, okay. really good. It's really well featured. Um, That's cool. Yeah, I got a couple, couple little singles. Check so it out. Is it, you know, you, Natalie Portmanteau. That's yeah, log on to my Bandcamp, buy some. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you subscribe to his SoundCloud yeah. as well. Let's do it. Uh, right, as is tradition. Uh, this year, actually, it's not tradition because this year we've broken up the TV and movies award. You, you will have already heard the movies award. Uh, I actually recorded that yesterday, so like it feels very fresh to me. But when you're listening to this, that was a couple of weeks ago. Uh, But we think there's been so much good TV and movies this year that we decided to break out into two separate episodes. And also, you know, we're getting some voices on the podcast that aren't on as regular, perhaps. Like Emma Emma and Matt. I mean, Matt, you're on pretty regular, I suppose. Can't get rid of me. (laughs) Emma's not on as regular. So it's nice to, you know, hear different voices as well. And hopefully you'd have already heard the games on by now. And you might hear some other voices as well. There, But yes, these awards are not your traditional awards. If you want them... There's, I mean, go to IGN.com first, but there's also lots of places on the internet where you can find out what the best TV show of the year was, what the best game TV show adaptation was. It was The Last of Us, by the way, and all those sort of things. But we're talking about the weird and the wonderful. We're going to spotlight things that might not necessarily be discussed. I've seen the list of what some of the TV shows are talking about, and I think a lot of these <laughs> might not normally be discussed. This so is, gonna uh, be, I'm going to ruin it as well. Um, once again, it's a one of these award shows that doesn't have a bluest character in it. Oh, yeah, but that's games. Yeah. I like, <laughs> as long as, it, as long as, well, it's already happened now. Like, the to the audience has already happened, and there better be best blue character on there. I'll be fuming if there's not. <laughs> but I, I'm not on the show, so I don't know. Anyway, uh, let's kick things off. Uh, I'm going to kick things off with Emma. Let's, uh, what, what's your first award? 
So my first award is called the Double Bubble Award. Oh, and this what does that is mean? Just, this this is for stuff that has two seasons. Got a couple is that it? Just best two seasons. Is that what it means? Yeah. Oh, okay. But you got to think of a cool name for the award, right? I like it. I like that's it. It was ambiguous. Fun. I didn't know where you were going with it. Yeah. Oh, that's what I wanted. Yeah, that's yeah. great. <laughs> so my first, like my runner-up that I want to talk about first is called "Our Flag Means Death." Have any of you, have you seen? I watched it? the first season. Yeah, rather enjoyed it. I I don't know anything about it. So do you want to give me a quick lowdown? Okay. So it's it's a brilliant show. It's one you can watch really quickly as well because the episodes are super short. It's on BBC iPlayer as well. Um, and season one, I think, came to BBC iPlayer this year in the UK. There is a second season. It's out, I think, in the US, but not here yet. What but, is it, though? So what it is, is it's um, it's like it's a really like super gay, romantic comedy show. Um, and it stars uh, Reese Darby and like Taika Waititi are like the two mains. Oh, you're serious? How do I not know about this? Yeah, what it's honestly, it's so good. And it's about this... Like an aristocrat, that's Reese Darby, he doesn't like his life. So he's super rich. It's like the 18th century or 17th century or something. And he wants to become a pirate. But he's not very good at being a pirate because he's this really fancy person. He refers right. to himself as like the gentleman pirate. He gets like a crew together and builds this really like luxurious, lovely ship. And they go out on their adventures and stuff. And... They're just not very good at pirating in like the traditional sense. Um, and they get into like all kinds of problems and troubles. And then they do actually meet up with Taika Waititi, who is like a, a traditional like Legit pirate. cutthroat, yeah, ruthless pirate. And um, the story sort of unfolds with like how the, his like crew and um, the crew of like Reese Darby sort of come together and like learn from each other. It's really nice. That it's is really what silly. I really love about it, that it seems like uh, the only thing that anybody would have to learn from each other would be like Blackbeard teaching Steed to be a proper <laughs> pirate. But it's more like Steed is teaching Blackbeard how to live a life that's bigger than just like all of the right. violence and mayhem that he's living. How, it's really it lovely. Is it shot like a mockumentary or something? Uh, I think it's done on a volume as well, actually, which is really oh, interesting. That so, is weird. Like, I think they've made the ship but um, like the background of it is like it doesn't feel like it's CGI, but like it is just a lot of water behind them. I'm I might be wrong about this, but I feel like I read that it was on a volume. Okay, and Emma, you said it was short episodes. Are you talking like twenty two minutes short or yeah, seven sort of minutes like short? half an hour. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I think so, the first season's got ten episodes, so you'll get through it quick. So, and apart from Ristabi and uh, Taika Waititi, is there like? Is it like what we do in the Shadows alum like involved with it or anything like that? Or do you know? Um, there's quite the cast is really strong in general. I know uh Joel Fry is in it as well from Plebs. Um, okay, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a good cast. Um oh and Hodor <laughs> from Game of Thrones. What is his name? Oh my god. I can't remember what his name is. He's gonna be stuck with that for the <laughs> He's yeah. got a DJ name as well, yeah. I know that. Yeah. yeah. But it's lovely. It's it's really silly. It's funny. It gets like it has like really nice emotional moments, and it's just like one of those shows where you can watch it with like a box of chocolates over Christmas, and you're gonna have a great time with it. Christian Nan, is yeah, his name. that's his <laughs> real name. Yeah, thank you. It was on the tip of my tongue at one point, uh, but yeah, he's one of those guys like like Hurley from Lost, right? It'll never not be Hurley. You just no yeah, you just call him Hurley. Yeah. Um, God, that sounds really good, and um, what a great way to kick this off because. Um, I can be quite cynical sometimes when it comes to recommendations, but that sounds like a really cool thing that I've not heard of before, and I'm very interested in checking out. Oh, was, that watch, the, uh, was that the runner-up or was that the winner? Yeah, that was, that was the runner-up. Runner oh, yeah. okay. 
Strong what what could it be? <laughs> so I have another runner-up, but I think Dale might talk about this later. So I, I can leave that to you. If no, you, want, you should talk about it because you're yeah? going to be more positive than me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. So my other runner-up is Welcome to Wrexham. Oh, okay. No, it's not. Okay, carry on. Okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> and I, I don't know if you did the same thing. Like you might be more into football than I am, but we're like I'm. I like football, but I mainly just follow Arsenal. So I only yeah. really care about what happens with that team. With Wrexham, I felt like for the first season, um, I really got invested in the team. But knowing there was a second season coming, I tried to avoid like as much as I possibly could. I did exactly the same thing. I was like, I wanted to be totally unaware of the. uh... So that's a really cool ending for you. Yeah, absolutely. It's nail biting at the end of the season. Because for me, it was just like there was no excitement whatsoever because I knew they they did it. Mm. So it was fine. Yeah, I tried Spoilers. to sort of steer clear of it. Yeah, yeah. Guess, yeah, we're spoiling real life here. So if you're keeping up with football, but the the fact that Notts County also got promoted as well yeah. is like it means that there's an automatic rivalry next season, which is just fantastic television well, writing. Even if uh, do you want oh, spoilers no. for the next season? <laughs> I guess so. Go on. <laughs> well, no, but, I mean, the, we're only halfway, not even halfway through the season, but yeah, Wrexham are like second in the league, and Notts County are like sixth in the league. So oh, they're right. both they're both gone up a league, but they're both doing really well again, mm, which is which that is, is awesome. pretty amazing. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, but what I've, I really like that about this season as well is that it felt like it truly was all or nothing. I felt like they kept stressing, we've you know sunk all this money into the club, we're improving the stadium. Um, I think they over-egg that a bit, by the way, as well. They're like, oh, we're in yeah. dire financial straits, despite the fact that they're bringing in a bunch of advertising revenue that they kind of it's barely drama. mention. Manufactured yeah. drama as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The drama, they're right? doing all right. There was, no, yeah. <laughs> there was no way they're not making the money back. Sponsored by TikTok. Yeah. They are, yeah. <laughs> that is a cool shirt. Um, but yeah, I also like that this season they spent a little bit of time on the women's team as well because I didn't mm-hmm. actually know that they had a women's team. Um, and it was so interesting to see that the men's team was, you know, doing really well. They were head to head with Notts County. And then you had this flip side of the women's team where they are still working full time in completely different jobs. They're very much doing this for the love of the game. And I thought that was like a really cool thing to follow alongside the main team. Yeah, as well. so they're an amateur team. Um, I think they might be going professional, but they're an amateur team currently. Well, when they were making that, but um, the thing I think made that women's team a little bit less interesting was the fact that they're pure domination on the league. Yeah, they're so good. <laughs> they were like an undefeated team for the. Whole, yeah, it's, like, yeah. it's hard to root for someone who just completely destroys but everyone cool. they come across. It does rule. Yeah. yeah. Um. Awesome. Oh, do you know what? I'm going to, Matt, I was going to say you second, but I should go second because I've got one that's connected to this and I yeah, talk about that. Welcome to Wrexham as well. So um, to contrast your opinion slightly, Emma, uh, is my award is I love the first season, but completely lost interest in season two award. <laughs> and I had a Welcome to Wrexham as my runner up there. Um, that's not to say I didn't have a good time with Welcome to Wrexham. I thought it was a good show. Uh, but I did feel like a little bit of the sense of drama was lost and it might be partly on me because I know what happened in real life anyway. Um, but I don't know if you guys felt like this, but I did feel like there was about a five episode chunk where they barely spoke about football, really. Like, the, uh, that's not true. They barely spoke about the men's team football because they had yeah. the, you know, a few episodes on women's team and then a few episodes focused 
on like individual players and their plight and you know like the things that the struggles that they're having to go through in their own personal lives related to football some of the and, some of the players i was less interested in sure i think that like the episode that was about ben foster joining the team was really interesting the fact that, that was what, like a, fucking like, nonsense though mm. like that really wound me up that episode because they were talking about ben foster like he was bloody tom brady <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah, I was like, eh, I come think they on. said that yeah didn't they yeah. compare him to him? yeah they compared him to tom brady and michael jordan i was like that's insane uh, i've seen people defending that saying oh it's the only way americans can understand i was like that's that's bollocks don't treat him like idiots just say he played at the top level he was a very good keeper like (laughs) anyway um i agree like some of that stuff was interesting but ultimately i really like following the um the running of a football club i love all the all or nothing documentaries and they're not always a i understand for a good documentary you need human stories as well right but I really enjoyed these shows because I like seeing the inner workings of a football club. And I felt like that got taken away from me for quite a long time. There was about five episodes in a row where I didn't really learn anything about the Wrexham men's team and what they were going through. And all we knew was they're doing amazing, doing amazing, doing amazing. And then we we're right at the end, they were trying to add drama as if it was going to be, they weren't going to make it. And it's just, it was, it felt a bit contrived. Um, it also stood but, out that they talked about the kits that they probably wouldn't be able to wear twice. Mm, like they didn't actually yeah. have enough material to be like, all right, here's the here's the thing that we've got a problem with this season. And it's like, how yeah. much will it cost us? And they're like 30 grand. And I was mm. like, yeah, but that's nothing yeah, to it's you. Totally, yeah, it's chump change. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and they'd be but, collector's items anyway. Like Exactly, you know? <laughs> right? Yeah, but fans would still buy them. As well, yeah. Even if you didn't wear them, fans would still buy them. Um, yeah, my, literally my football team's in the championship and they release three kits a season and they release retro kits every season that they don't even wear. And like, and people buy them. Anyway, I think that's runner-up for me. And your team's not even any good, so... What, what you want about <laughs> me? We've, we've won like... We've won like three out of the last five. We've got four clean sheets, one draw. Come on. Have some respect. We're playing Leeds tomorrow. We're probably going to lose. Anyway, um, that was a runner-up because I do like Welcome to Exxon. I just found it slightly disappointing. I enjoyed the first season a bit more. Um, and also what was especially bad about this season was they showed a big long scene of Wrexham beating Coventry in the FA Cup as well, which was extremely, I did not want to relive that. Yeah, you found it difficult to root for them in that moment. What they didn't show in the documentary, I'm really fuming about what they really didn't show in the documentary is how we absolutely dominated from for the game. They just sort of got some goals and we just, we fell to pieces, but we were pure dominating them. Anyway, Mm -hmm. didn't show that. Moving doesn't on. show up on the scoreboard though, does it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but my winner is for a show that I was very excited to start and uh, based on the first season and I didn't even bother finishing the second season. In fact, I only got halfway through it and stopped watching it. And that was Yellow Jackets, I'm afraid. Yeah. Well. I did the same thing. And I came on the podcast and was talking about how good the first few episodes were. Yeah. And then I didn't watch any more of it, which is really bad. I didn't Honestly, yeah. to me, like it was losing my interest straight away because... There was so much mystery with the modern day stuff um, that was just sort of almost like they didn't abandon it, but they answered the questions immediately in season two. And then it just became a thing about this commune that I just didn't give a shit about. Like, you know, this like cult commune thing. And I lost interest in the modern day stuff, but I was still interested in the past. And then for me, there was a scene, there was that scene when they first eat someone, right? Which was a big moment that the show's been building up to. And it just felt, so silly like how they got to that they accidentally cooked someone and then all had like this little midnight feast together and it was just so bizarre and I just felt like it would have been a better story to tell how 
the breaking of spirit like how somebody like how somebody gets to the level that they're willing to eat another human being to survive and i felt like they accidentally bypassed all that because they accidentally cooked it and they're like oh well they're there it's cooked might as well eat it while we're here mm. and i didn't i'm I am fully aware that the rest of the season might go into more the nuance of that and they might, because inevitably they're going to get the taste for it and they want to do it again, right? I'm sure that might have happened. I didn't see it because I'd lost interest at that point and I don't have any interest in watching that show anymore, to be honest. I'm a big fan of Elijah Wood and I didn't even get far enough to see Elijah yeah, Wood's appearance in the show was, Yeah, I saw him a few episodes, but uh, like... I don't know why it's, I really loved the first season. I thought it was really good. There was a lot of mystery and intrigue. I loved the tone of it. And it just completely nosedived for me in the second season. So, a big disappointment. Sorry, Yellow Jackets. Yeah. Anyway, Matt, hopefully you've got a positive award. Then we can pick this thing back up again. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, well, my first award uh, is called the Best Squid Game Adjacent Reality Show. Okay. Um, and so my, my two runners up, up for this are uh, shows that it's... I talked about on here before. Are you going to say Squid Game is one of the runners up? Uh, so the first one's called uh, <laughs> Siren Survive the Island, which okay. um, I think is really good. Um, I've talked about it on the show before, but it's basically like a long protracted game of Capture the Flag set on an island. You have mentioned this. Yeah, I remember. Really good. I don't think it's yeah. getting enough press, honestly. Um, but it's about like teams of six women that have bases and they're all making alliances for which base they're going to capture. And if your base gets captured, then you like exit the island. Um, fantastic show. Um, like really interesting I really love the drama I love the just like thinking about what you would do in that scenario as yeah, well yeah. whenever they're like not defending the base properly you're like oh you should have sent somebody up there or like that kind of thing I love that kind of like tactical thinking and it's like that is, it's, the, yeah. that is the good key to like a good reality show right when you can sort of put yourself as a proxy for what would you have conversations with the people you're watching it with like what would we do in this situation how would we do that i can't believe they're making that decision i feel yeah, like yeah totally there's like yeah. when you're um attacking and defending you've got flags on your back so if your flag gets grabbed then you're out um, and there were some people that were defending from the roof, which means that they have like a really good advantage to be able to grab the flag from. But in that scenario, you would just try and overwhelm the team as best as possible, right? Like yeah. you would just send more people than you could. And so my whole time I was like, you should just send more people, but they were just trying to take it too slow and were losing. It's like that kind of mentality if you put yourself in. You basically just play like, arm seat captain. Arm chair? Yeah. What, the, what the fuck did I just say? <laughs> I don't know. I just said, yeah, nodded along. <laughs> What's an arm seat? Uh, anyway, yeah. Siren Survive the Island. If you've got time over the over the break, check it out. Uh, the other one, it's called Devil's Plan, mm -hmm. uh, which Dale, you talked about. Uh, you watched the first episode. And I watched the first two episodes. Right? I think I watched the first two episodes, but ultimately I found it... Um, I found the games like needlessly complex. Mm. Um, I felt like it took me so long to get into following the games and I engaged me in the first one, but I felt like I had to sort of really sit there and like, what, so how does this game work? And obviously when they play the game, it becomes more apparent. Mm -hmm. um, but I just didn't know if I had the energy to sit there every episode and hear out these laborious rule sets that go on, like take 20 minutes to explain. The real key is like, it's got very little to do with the game itself. It's more about the like, yeah. when it reveals like, oh, this whole time then somebody has been working behind the back. Like the editing is the magic of that show. Absolutely. Um, like, yeah, it's like really good at deciding to make a surprise narrative at the end of it that you really weren't expecting. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the games themselves can be really overly long and protracted. There's Especially one, when you um, compare it to Squid Game, where it's like they are very, you can explain the rules in like 
10 seconds yeah totally which is the the good thing about that show as well like squid game the original is fantastic because it's like you know if you were on the playground you could do some of these games you know but you add an element of murder into it and then suddenly it becomes really (laughs) gripping um whereas yeah devil's plan is like complicated for the purpose of injecting drama into it but not actually very like digestible i'd say yeah you spend a lot of time going like what's actually the rule of this thing like i think inevitably my problem is now that i think about it is the keys for reality shows to me is how digestible they are because Mm. it's so easy to watch because a lot of reality shows they're so simple you can almost be background Mm. and you can tune in and out when you need to whereas devil's plan very much feels like you need to be wired into this thing at all times i mean they subtitles for a start like Mm -hmm. so that that changes the dynamic but yeah for um I watch, I've watched quite a lot of reality this week, that's this year, a lot of it of Netflix stuff, and um, yeah, a lot of it you can zone out for long periods and still know what's going on. I am happy to reveal, though, there is a UK version of Devil's Plan that is in production oh, cool. right now, which I, I presume will also be on Netflix. But I re- Honestly, like I love the idea, mm-hmm. and I, for me, like they might... I might be an outlier here, but I feel like if they did simplify the games ever so slightly, I think mm-hmm. that would be way more appetising. Like, I'd be way more into it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, Emma, um, did you watch it? Oh, sorry. Um, oh, no, 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 I think I've made my point. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I've not seen it. No. So it, is, it sounds pretty interesting. I though. think give the first episode a go. Like, if it grabs you, it'll grab you. But it's it's a harder sell. I think I think overall Siren is probably better. Uh, anyway, the, the winner of this category uh, is Physical 100. Uh, did anybody watch Physical 100? No, is that no. on Netflix? It is on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I've seen it pop up, but I don't know what it is. Uh, so it's a show about a hundred people that all have like differing types of like body physique, and it's about deciding like which one of them is best suited as the overall all rounder physique. That's okay. the that's the that's the crux of it. I don't know if it actually achieves oh, this. So physique is in like appearance as yeah. opposed to not, well, like, like physical attributes. Like how I think fast physical they attributes. Yeah, yeah. Like how okay. heavy you could lift for how long or something like that. So okay. you know they've got people from a variety of different backgrounds. Not all of them are like um, bodybuilders as well. Like it'll be people that are um, like in like there are a bunch of car dealers actually. Weirdly, like there's a, a bunch of lads that sell cars that are just are really ripped. Um, from what I can gather, bodybuilders as well. Like it, it's you know. It's a very you're building for body shape as opposed exactly, to like, yeah you're not necessarily uh, like cardio like, yeah. and like muscle and like actually being strong you know like all the world's strongest men are all big fat dudes usually as well you know like um, yeah it's in, that sounds interesting so uh, they'll do different tasks uh, some of them are really like very simple there's a, there's a great one like halfway through the show where teams of I think four or five have to uh, they have to bag up sand. And then take sand from one side of a uh, course to the other faster than the opponents who are on the other side of the thing. So they don't know how full each of each like uh, versions like jug at the end is. Yeah. So they're constantly competing, uh, like you know, only based on how quickly they can see the other team going. Um, and it's also one of those moments of like, oh well, I would have somebody just bagging sand, and then you'd switch yeah. over so that you're retaining your energy, and then like, you know, oh, you take them up the stairs, but then move, yeah, that sort of stuff. Um, and it's it's utterly gripping. Like, I think the problem with because uh, Squid Game is not included in this. Uh, these I know, yeah, I thought, but, it, yeah. I thought it, um, I thought it was pro- a stone wall of runner up for the. <laughs> the problem of uh, the Squid Game show is that I think that it like it creates the drama with the magic of like a little bit of writing really like some yeah. of it is heavily manufactured whereas well, physical I mean, 100 the fact really they, comes through the tasks it's good game the fact that they put a mother and daughter a mother and son combination on the show 
is of them writing, is them saying we can manufacture like drama here by putting a mother of son, knowing full well that eventually they're going to play marbles against each other. But know? I'm like convinced that like the Italian guy eating oh. way too much food was a thing that was like a producer saying like go and eat, go and eat some snacks. Like you know, it could, it, it could well be. Yeah, like um, you know, you could argue a lot of reality shows have that that sort of level of control. Like even the shows like. Um, like the Kardashian style shows, like eh, it's so heavily scripted, you know, like this, it's based on reality, but it's yeah, yeah, totally. very controlled. I so, think yeah. just for this type of show, it really takes me out. Like, I think mm. these three have really solved the problem of like not feeling very manufactured and having drama come naturally. And yeah. I really like that. Yeah. Check out all three of those. If you're nice. happy with Korean language uh, game shows. Yeah. I always, I always like, I get tempted to put the, um, the dubs on, but it's just, they're bad. <laughs> They're hard to watch, aren't they? They're hard. The first time I watched The Raid, I watched it with dubs, and it was awful. Yeah, and I was like, quite... I like the action. And then I re-watched it with just subtitles. It's so much better. Anyway. Uh, God, I haven't watched The Raid in a while. What a good movie. Oh, yeah, so good. Uh, Emma, have you got another award for us? Um, I didn't get round to the winner for my last one, so I'm going to squeeze oh, that sorry, in. Oh, sorry, you should have said. Oh, my God. No, so sorry. Right. Like You should have just <laughs> We were talking about Wrexham. It made sense to like oh, segue sorry. into yeah, it. Oh, yeah, that was me, yeah. Um, so yeah, my winner was the After Party, which is on Apple TV. Um, and yeah, that's so it's like a whodunit, like murder yeah. mystery. The first season is at like a party after a school reunion, and the second one's at a wedding. The cast are like incredible. So it's a completely and, new cast, except for the detective, I guess. So there are a couple people that are in the first season that go into the second one right. as well. So it still okay. kind of focuses around like a similar. It goes from like friendship group to family. So that's kind of like how it links together. Um, but it's really good. It's one of those shows where you you know sort of who's died immediately. Yeah. But um, that that actor is still in it lots because each episode will be sort of from each character's perspective of oh, what led up to the events of this thing happening. And what's really cool with the episodes as well is that each of them has like its very own like sort of distinctive style. So in season one, there's like an episode that's completely like animated because the character they're yeah. focusing on is that's like the, you know, the style they want to go for for that person. In like the second season, they've also got one that's like a lot of like vertical video as well. Mm -hmm. So it's an interesting watch as well as the story being genuinely good and the actors being really cool. Um, it's got like Tiffany Haddish in it. Um, in the first season, you've got like Dave Franco and Ben Schwartz as well. Yeah. And then in season two, you've got Zach Woods, Jack Whitehall and... Um, a bunch of other people. Jack Whitehall. I've yeah. kind of gone off Jack Whitehall. Yeah. <laughs> he, um, his character makes sense in season two, um, right. especially if you're not keen on him. <laughs> you're probably like, this will fit well with you. I just, um, I have no strong feelings about him. I just, it's surprising that he's in something like this. Yeah. Um, I really, I did, do you know what? It's one of those shows that I did really enjoy when I watched it and then kind of forgotten about it. And I don't think I've remembered it until you just mentioned it then. And I thought, oh, actually, I did quite like that. There was some great musical numbers in it as well. I remember enjoying that. Like Ben Schwartz had a, like a musical episode, right? His, yeah, his yeah. was really fun. Like it, it's, it is a lot of fun. I think they they get to do a lot of stuff and they have a lot of freedom because of the way that they approach each episode. And also just like there's a load of twists and turns in there that you'd expect from a whodunit. Like, yeah, it's very good. Yeah. So do they? So they carry on the tradition of like each episode is like thematically like a different presentation. Yeah. Like, like it was like, this one's a musical, this one's an animation, this one's, I can't remember what they were. But that sounds really cool. 
I didn't even know it come out, to be honest, so I need to check that out. Yeah, I feel like it's one of those shows, I can't remember which part of the year it came out. I think it was early-ish, maybe like April or something, but mm. I'd completely forgotten that I'd actually seen it. But I've like started making a list of stuff I watch and play, just so I remember yeah. at the end of the year. And I was like, oh yeah, this was really good, and I feel like I completely forgot about it. It's Apple TV, right? Yeah, it's on Apple so, TV. I've let my Apple TV subscription lapse and I'm waiting for Severance season two before I renew. Or you if Silo season two comes, I'll renew it for that as well. <laughs> no, I, I think Silo's probably going to get siloed. I've got a feeling. Really? Uh, I think it'll take too long after the... Uh, potentially, yeah. I have, I have since bought the books and then I had a baby and I don't get to read books anymore, but I do. I'm going to holiday next year, so I'm going to read those books. Like, I, do, I am interested in that story. Um, cool, Emma, feel free to carry on because we rudely interrupted you no, mid award cool. but you can go to your next one <laughs> yeah so my next award is called the best reimagining award Ooh. and i've taken a different approach with my runner-up versus winner so my runner-up is uncanny okay. which is a three episode documentary about like paranormal stuff okay and i'm very like skeptical about like ghosts and aliens and all that but i really like hearing about people's like first-hand encounters and what they think's happened to them i just want to interrupt that to say there's a big difference to ghosts and aliens um, no I know, you know but like one is very conceivable and one of them is a load of bollocks <laughs> so, that's just my point of view anyway sorry carry on but yeah so this it counts as a reimagining for me because it started off it's a podcast first um right. so it's on i think it's like bbc sounds or whatever but um, it's hosted by a guy called danny robbins and what he'll do is he'll chat to people they talk a little bit about what's happened to them and just a bit about their background. And then a few times through the podcast episode, he'll sort of pause and then talk to what like, he refers to them as like experts, right? So you have one from each side. So mm. one will be really skeptical and be like, I don't know, like some kind of scientist or something and try and be like, oh, this is what it is. Like try and rationalize what might have happened. And then they've got an expert on the other side who's more sort of into like paranormal and supernatural stuff. And they're like, oh, you know, they explain like sort of theories about what's related to the thing. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, this this year became like a three episode documentary thing. It's really well done. And I just I really enjoyed it. It was like a weekly thing in, in October as well. So it yeah. was like it was nice. It was like a spooky time of year anyway. Um, and it was nice to like curl up on like a Friday evening when it's dark and talk about some ghosts <laughs> i'm looking at it on the iplayer right now and it's, it's got my interest um i think i might check it out um especially because one episode's called the bear park poltergeist and I was like, yeah cool. it is cool and like the episodes they're quite long and they sort of what i like about um in the show which was like really good compared to the podcast is on the podcast they'll talk quite quickly about like a theory and then that's kind of it whereas yeah. with the show they were like okay you've mentioned this like specific thing that happens to people when they think they've seen a ghost and they go and explore that like in way more detail and they'll like visit different places and try and like prove it, which is cool. Nice. Awesome. Um, I feel like there's been some good recommendations so far. I feel like I've already got a list of things that I, I want to watch now. This yeah. is going well. This is great for like just before Christmas. Yeah. I don't know when this is going live, but yeah, if you're it's on after Christmas, Christmas break, yeah, yeah. But but it's in that window before New Year, so you've still got like chill time that you might be able to watch from television, catch up on some TV, and uh, we've got some good stuff coming up. Um, yeah, I've got my winner now, so I've really got to stop interrupting. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I'm probably talking for too long. No, you're uh, not. No, you're not. Carry on. So my winner is Bella. 
So this has two seasons as well. It's on Sky. And Wait, you're saying Bel Air, right? Bel Air, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Like Fresh Prince Bel Air. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's on Sky or now, um, however you want to watch it. But have either of you watched this show? I watched the original, all? loads. You've seen yeah, Fresh Prince, yeah. the original. I watched this DJ like a... Jazzy Jeff get thrown out of yeah. the house. Oh, yeah. Isn't this like a gritty reboot or something? It is, yeah. So it's way more serious. It's yeah. got like the same characters obviously played by different actors um but it has like a very sort of different tone and a very different feel it's like it's less about sort of like light-hearted comedy and there's ways that they've modernized it which are quite interesting so like for example you know carlton's really sort of goofy in original fresh prince oh yeah um but like in this he's struggling with drug addiction right oh god uh, yeah yeah like it, that's not funny at all no, like it, it's it's a very it's different unusual. take on it. <laughs> Doing but his dance while shooting up his needles. <laughs> it is like I I really like it because it sort of has like very similar sort of story beats. Like it, what well, it doesn't sort of completely change everything that you originally saw. But mm-hmm. yeah, there is stuff in it that's new. Like yeah, I mentioned Carlton, Hillary. You know, like in Fresh Prince, she was sort of just like daddy's girl. She didn't really want to do anything. She was just sort of letting him pay for everything and yeah. relaxing. In this, she sort of she starts off like that, and then she's like, "No, I want to go out into the world and do my own stuff." And she tries to become an influencer. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah like like it's it's really interesting how they've updated stuff um and what's what's really nice as well is that they do have some of the original cast in it and they're just there'll be like different characters you might see them sort of flitting in and out you got an example like what, what jeffrey was the in it yeah jeffrey is he's probably dead isn't he oh wait no he's phil uncle us. phil's dead right? uncle phil's yeah um, yeah, yeah uncle phil passed away. the late um, uncle phil v- yeah. so vivian was in it um she i think she's one of, you know wasn't there like two or three actresses for her there were two is vivians yeah yeah, yeah. yeah well, so, so which vivian so yeah. the second Vivian's definitely in it. Okay. I'm, I can't remember if the first one is, but she's like, um, obviously Vivian does like in this, she's really into art. She's doing, okay. she sort of pursues that way more. And one of the people on the board is old Vivian. All right. And what about so, is like, they have um, the family of a little boy at one point, don't they? I forget the kid's name, but he's like five in the show. Oh yeah. We haven't got to that point yet. But well, I thought maybe that actor might be it because now he's probably like 35 or something. He might be in the show. Potentially, yeah. yeah. I don't think we've seen him yet. But um, yeah, this has, I think this has been confirmed for season three. So the story is continuing. So people are into it then. So it's doing it's doing all right. Like, it is. It's, it's really good. I think even if you hadn't, like, I think most people have seen Fresh Prince because it's a classic, right? Mm-hmm. But even if you hadn't, I think you c- could come into this and enjoy it in its own way. Like it stands up on its own as well. It's just nice that it has all the references and like takes so much from the original. Does it do a rap intro? No, I don't. No, it's not. <laughs> so I immediately does, setting the tone. Like this. Does is Colton not... ever do the dance? Yeah. Haven't seen him do the <laughs> dance. I don't think yet. He's but got to at some point. Maybe they save it for the finale. Yeah, finale goes full comedy again. They go revert back to all their old jokes. Mm-hmm. Is it? Is there a like um, a jazzy Jeff in it? Uh, yeah, like jazz is still Jeff. in it. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> yeah, he's like drop the jazz. It's clean. Yeah, you know, he's just really a jazz musician, serious jazz musician or something. So he owns like a record shop. 
and um, um he's like he's i won't spoil it too much like him and hillary have like their relationship is like sort of a lot more in season two and um they're right, kind of in struggling the original, with that he fancied her right no oh who am i getting wasn't he like obsessed with her and she'd always reject him or something? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like this, this is way more, it's, you know, like she's into the relationship a bit more, but okay. it comes with its own problems because of like who he is and who she is and the different worlds that they basically come from. Honestly, this sounds like something nobody ever wanted, but actually has turned out all right. Yeah, like you, <laughs> I, I hadn't even heard that it was happening until like sort of right before the first season came out. And then I was like, okay, I'm, I love Fresh Prince. I need to see this. And I was like, really, I think the first episode, I was like, wow, this is so different. Like the yeah. tone is so different. I was like, sort of like really shocked, but I'm really into it. It's really, really good. Nice. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Have you definitely finished with the award now? Before I have, yeah, please continue. <laughs> uh, where did we get to? Is it me now? I think I so. I think yeah. so, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Um... I'm going to do this one, which is a Netflix docu-series I didn't think I needed, but I actually really enjoyed watching this year. Mm. And I thought Netflix have dropped quite a few of these recently, and all three of them, they come along, I think, maybe I'll watch that. And then a few weeks go by and I haven't watched it. And then someone says, that thing was pretty good. And I'm like, do you know what, I'm going to check out. And then I have a great time watching it. Um, they are all very um, 80s and 90s based. Uh, but my two runners-up, I think, um, so Wham!, documentary i don't know if either of you watched that no um, i want to see it i'll have it on my list of things i mean to watch. it's called wham but it's 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 more george michael story really it's it's kind of about wham but it's also you know it shows about how they came to the conclusion that he was the star and he was going to go off on his own and then it sort of follows his career as well but it also celebrates a fin wham as well and obviously you know people have an opinions on wham but they made some very very iconic songs. oh i love that wham yeah and uh and george michael obviously was a superstar as well so it's just i really enjoy like um biopics about you know the music industry in general usually so um i had a great time watching it and i would thoroughly recommend it i don't have much more to say about that really to be honest but the other one i watched which i didn't think i'd be interested in at all but i got recommended it i think my mother-in-law recommended it, is the robbie williams one that came out like last month and i was i think what i enjoyed about that and probably what i enjoyed about the winner of this award is i was around for that period like i remember that period and it was almost like this giant nostalgia trip for me of how like you know robbie williams was like the biggest pop star in the uk for a good like five years or so probably a little bit more than that mm. and um 
they go into great detail about the toll and the um just the abuse that he took really like the fact that because of his celebrity status like all the way he was mistreated by media in general like he was treated as this this object that we could make fun of at all times and disregard and like he talks about it in the in the thing that like he at one point parts of his songwriter because there was this perception uh, co-songwriter sorry there was this perception that he was just because he was in take that all he was was a singing dancing man and then other people beyond the scenes were actually writing all the songs for him yeah where once you see this documentary you actually realize like no he was writing all the words he was writing all the melodies he had a guy with him that worked on music but it you they show on beyond the scenes like making music together and robbie williams is a significant contributor towards that and like I think he felt a lot of resentment, the fact that he had so much success that he'd earned himself, but he never really got appreciated for it. It was just, it was always dismissed. And um, yeah, I found it utterly fascinating. It's really, it's interesting as well, because it's all shot from the perspective of Robbie Williams is literally sitting on his bed, like half naked sometimes with a laptop open. And they're just saying, watch this clip. Now watch this. And it's stuff that a lot of it he doesn't remember. And he, but it jogs memories for him. And there's a few moments where it jogs too many memories for him. And he, he doesn't have a great time watching it back. And it goes through all his bouts of depression and alcoholism and all the things that he struggled through. And then the lost love and losing friendships and, and of all the events would take that. And I don't, I'm not particularly a Robbie Williams fan, but I'm a fan of popular music and stories behind popular music. And I think it's a really interesting look into that. And I'd recommend anyone to check it out. Yeah, I I'm really that enjoyed watched. that as well. Like yeah. I watched it with my partner and I thought it was interesting, like particularly the part where he was talking about Rudebox and yeah. how that was received and how he thought, like he, I think he was saying in the documentary, like, oh yeah, you know, this is me. This is the kind of music I want to make. And then he brings out that and it's like, oh, People didn't want that. No. And he realised it as well. I feel like he realised he was kidding himself back then as well. Yeah. Because that was his first like venture away from his long-time partner. And he convinced himself, like, now I'm free, I can do what I want. I mean, it's a, it's a long tradition of, of musicians, right? Famous musicians where they go off and they make a radical change and it backfires massively. You know, it's it's tried and tested. and um, But it's great to have such a time separation between it that he can openly and honestly talk about these experiences and know and hold his hands up where he completely fucked up. I also learned some stuff about the take that situation where I didn't know. Like I always thought that he had a bit of arrogance about him and left because he thought he was better than that. But what actually transpired was they kind of forced him out because he was young and naive. Like he started to take that when he was like, what did he say, 16 when he's in take that? He was That's really that. young. Yeah, which I so didn't young. know either. Yeah. yeah, I was really surprised by that. And yeah, like he said, I think maybe everyone whether it's through the media or just like just sort of a shared thing that everyone thinks is like oh yeah he left because he thought he was too good he got a big too, like a bit too yeah. big for his boots went on his own but yeah it was really cool to have that like side of the story because i've never seen that before yeah and that's the same period where he was like suffering like from alcoholism quite significantly and there's a really interesting um sort of reflection of what society was like back then with the fact of um is he on a TV show or a radio show or something? And then they talk to him about downing beer or having a drink and we're going to give you shots. And somebody who, and he's just like laughing and smiling for it. And somebody who's with him says, he's a recovering alcoholic. And they just like laugh it off like it was, they said, like they were just messing around with him. And I was like, it was actually like quite disrespectful, I thought, to somebody who's really suffering. But it was in the 90s in a nutshell, an early 2000s nutshell, where no one would call that out. And, like that, and then you've got this grown man who's like, 
everybody thinks he's got, you know, the world at his feet, but ultimately he's um, really struggling and really suffering and no one was willing to help him, really. Uh, it's, it's really interesting. Um, but that's not my winner. Uh, but I do think it shares a lot in common with my winner, uh, which is the David Beckham, or just called Beckham documentary. Uh, did either of you watch that? I've yeah. seen some very important clips from this. Yeah, you've seen the one scene, right, with Victoria Beckham talking I, about... I've also seen the mushrooms scene. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's very good. Um, I think this is, like, one of the most wholesome things I've watched this year because, like, the Beckham family are just such a wonderful like British institution like the fact that they the, you know they were two massive stars in the 90s and yet still to this day they're like such a solid family unit with their children so if they, they have this fantastic scene right at the end of the show where they're all just as a family together enjoying each other's company and so it feels so natural and it's just they are like lovely people <laughs> and yeah everybody's got their you know they they're, they're checkered past to a certain degree and then the, the follies of youth and the thing the silly things that they've done um and i do think they maybe shy away from a couple of things a little bit um but i just found it so interesting to watch and also again it was that reflection of my memories of what actually happened during the 90s and hearing david beckham in detail talk about what it was like after the 1998 world cup and um, when he was uh basically uh, death threats to him and you know mm. across the country no matter where he went everybody well they built like effigies of him and burning effigies of him and stuff like that and just seeing how like at the time he was very stoic about it all but hearing him talk about it now uh, as like one of the worst periods of his life and it's just um yeah really fascinating watch and if you're a football fan as well it's um it's extra interesting i found yeah i loved it watch him grill a mushroom yeah, and also do that. <laughs> a he's single really mushroom, his, yeah. He's really into his cooking, yeah. Um, awesome. Matt, what have you got for us next? I got a real simple one. Uh, I want to talk about the best robot of the year. The best robot. Yeah. I like it. This it's is cool. going to be a strong <laughs> choice. So uh, I haven't seen Pluto yet. So okay. Pluto, I reserve the right to fit Pluto in somewhere in here, but I, <laughs> okay. it would be it would be wrong for me to do yet. Um, but uh, the vegan robot from Scott Pilgrim takes off. Mm-hmm. Strong robot. I like yeah. the idea of a robot being the most vegan thing possible because it's never yeah. eaten anything before. <laughs> it's, <in> it. <laughs> it's very, That's good, a very good joke. Very good joke. And also the plot kind of hinges on the robot. Really, really cool. I yeah, think yeah, Scott, Scott Pilgrim, I haven't had an opportunity to talk about it yet, but like was a really defining, like I read the books as they were coming out, uh, like I really loved it. And I thought that like the show would be just a uh, really like rehash of it. But I love that not only is it not, it's also a commentary of like how easy it is to reinterpret a source material over and yeah, over yeah. again. Like the show is about people just keep trying to tell the same story and they keep not being successful in it. I want to say, I want to make a bold statement and I feel like this has just come to me. So I don't know if it's actually true. I probably should research, but it feels like the best use of like multiverse recently in terms of like, it's not bombarding you with like all this ridiculous stuff. It's just showing you how like the butterfly effect, how one little moment can change things in a real simple way. I always thought that the characters were really cool in the books and I, yeah. I don't think that they got an opportunity to really shine in the movies. Some of the exes get a lot more screen mm. time and to give these characters that are cool more opportunities to do something and yeah. to have people that never got an opportunity to hang out, yeah. give them a chance to hang out. 
Like, I always thought the characters were cool and now they get to just do more of it. It was a I perfect really, avenue to do that. I really like what they do with Lucas Lee and Todd Ingram, especially because they so are fun. So, those two characters in that film are what in it for about 10 minutes max, yeah, yeah. if that. And yeah, just really like layering up those characters and going to town with them a little bit more is, is good fun. And those two actors that play them are really funny at doing it as well. So it's good to hear more of that. It is so funny in retrospect to think that Brandon Ruth was like Superman. And yeah, like he was clearly the top billing of that movie and yet is in it for five minutes. And, and then now, now yeah, Captain like, America's in it. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> um, and so the actual winner of this one, uh, I haven't had a chance to talk about on the podcast yet. I don't think we've talked about it at all. Uh, a show called Scavenger's Reign. Mm, uh, this up. On a year that didn't have succession uh, as a like you know massive finale for television, I would say that Scavenger's Reign would be my TV show of the year. Nice. It is utterly unmissable if you haven't had an opportunity to watch it yet. I'm going to say it again because we always get comments about it. It's called Scavenger's Reign. Uh, pick it up wherever you can. Uh, the robot in question, his name's Levi, uh, voiced by Aaliyah Shawcat of uh, Arrested Development and the mm-hmm. criminally underwatched Search Party which is also fantastic. Five seasons of that somehow, and yet nobody's nobody's watched it. <laughs> I mean, if they made five seasons, some people are watching Yeah, it. totally. Yeah. Um, so Levi's like a regular robot, but is being casually infected by some like moss that okay. seems to be making just, they're becoming more and more something else. They're not quite a programmed robot. It's almost as if they're having their own feelings. Uh, and the way that it continues is so cool. Scavenger's Reign on its on its own is a show about an alien world that is completely alien. Right. Nothing seems to make any real sense. Um, everything is totally different. It all has its own interconnected logic and ecosystem. Uh, but none of it is like the world that we're living on. That's cool. um, and the way that this character fits in that environment is utterly perfect. You nice. gotta check it out. There's a barrier to entry for me, mm-hmm. and that's the visual presentation yeah. of it, really. But it, I definitely feel like the fact that we gave it a ten on IGN mm-hmm. means that I need to force myself to get over that and put it on and see what I think. I would say I think it's a rare instance of something that is a cartoon because it lends itself to being a cartoon. Mm-hmm. I think that there are things that this does that are only capable in animation, and I also don't think that it would look as interesting if it were, say, a CGI thing. Okay. Uh, and if they did it in live action, yeah, it just it just wouldn't work. Like, I think it needs to be the medium that it is. You 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 kind of hooked me with that idea of this a world that's just completely unlike ours, which is like I've been doing, covering a lot of Avatar stuff at the moment for the game and stuff, and like yeah, it's an alien world, but it's got so a big tree much. done it, got fish. But apart from like <laughs> yeah, things floating mountains and stuff like that, it's, it's like there's so much familiarity, like in terms of what it's like. I like the idea of th- thinking something, you know, like an alien doesn't have to be anthropomorphic, you know, mm-hmm. it can be something completely different. Totally. It don't have to be a carbon-based life form, basically. Like, there's all sorts of Every single there. episode, there is a cool, new, weird guy that shows up. So nice. get ready for that. Okay. Um, awesome. Emma, you've got your final award. I have. This award is called, it's quite a mouthful. When the main character finally needs to let other characters help them award. Okay. (laughs) And my runner-up for this is Ted Lasso. So we had season three came out. It was earlier this year, so people have probably forgotten about it. Um, But when that show started, it was very much like the main character, Ted Lasso, was 
the happiest person in the room always. He was the one who kind of came into this group of people that weren't doing so well, a few people that weren't in like a good place in their life or they were struggling with like their football team or, you know, and he came in and he helped all of those people. And by the time you get to season three, we see all of their stories like concluding in a really nice place. But his problem now is that he's the one that's miserable in this season. As time's kind of gone on, He's been having a rough time. He's having issues of like being away from his family because he's in the UK and his um, his wife and his son are in the US and his wife's kind of moved on is in like another relationship. And this is like very much the season, yeah, where he needs all of the people that he's already helped to kind of help boost him up. Um, and I thought that was really lovely because it is, it's like a very heartwarming and sweet show anyway. Um, oh, yeah. overly so if you ask me but yeah like that's its vibe though isn't it you know like pulling at the sentimental um what's the word i'm looking for yeah carry on i'm blanking on the word (laughs) well yeah but wholesome is positive (laughs) i'm trying to think of um yeah anyway carry on carry on sorry but yeah i think like it's nice in this season to see how far some of the characters have come like you've got like nate who had this whole kind of like almost like villainous arc going to west ham Um, he was a naughty boy oh i didn't know about i started watching it halfway through the second season so stuff happens with him and (laughs) (laughs) um and like roy kent you sort of saw him to begin with like he wouldn't let anyone in and in like season three he's more vulnerable than you've ever seen before the same with like jamie tart um and i think i think it's really nice but yeah this is the season where ted needs the most support twee was the word i was trying to think of by the way (laughs) that's that's a good way to describe it um but my winner for this is it just came out as well is we got like a three episode special for doctor who which had david tennant and Catherine tate come back all right okay many many years and it was really good um they have been really fun i haven't kept up with doctor who in a while but i've watched these three and really enjoyed them is he the one that like i i don't i do not follow doctor who at all but um, is he the one that people like revere the most? I thought it was Matt Smith. Isn't, isn't I, I think people, yeah, I think I think of him as being kind of the the Doctor Who personally, yeah, okay. but not everybody agrees. Right, I'm the same. Like he's my favorite, partially because my sister was really into Doctor Who when we were younger. That was her favorite Doctor, so that was the one that was always on. Sure. Um, and yeah, I've kind of I've I've watched some of the other ones as well. Like I watched some of Matt Smith stuff and Peter Capaldi. But yeah, David Tennant for me is like my favourite Doctor. Um, um, Jodie Whittaker was them. wasn't well received, right? Is that right? I think it was more the writing of the seasons rather than. Oh no, the I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, not based yeah. on it, but, but yeah, like in terms of like that name represents that series. As yeah, absolutely, as well. exactly. And yeah. um, and then they've got a new Doctor, the guy from Sex Education. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, who isn't in the show yet will be on okay. Christmas. Oh, actually, well, appears at the very end of these um, most recent episodes, but yeah, hasn't really had a full episode yet. Okay. So, so this was like a segue between the old Jodie Whittaker stuff and the new one. Yeah, so it's it's really interesting. I feel like part of it's just an excuse because they wanted to come back and make the show again anyway, um, right. like the actors did, I think, and they got in touch with Russell T. Davis and it happened. Um, but also I feel like because David Tennant is loved by so many people, it's like people just wanted to see him again. But the way that they sort of introduce him is interesting in that there's like a very clear structure to these three episodes, right? So the first one is very much, this is classic 
David Tennant Doctor Who, where you've got new alien, a new problem, he's got to try and sort it out. Um, and then which a was little twist. It wasn't a little what twist. you expected. <gasps> Very nice. Um, and, and that was nice because that, that's like sort of like the, the comfort food episode, right? Of you coming back and it's like, oh, it's exactly how I remembered. David Tennant's just as good. You know, Catherine Tate is is picking up from where she was um, as his like companion. and But they've got also got so much to catch up on because why has he got David Tennant's face again? That's never happened before. We've never had a doctor that's returned. Yeah. Um, the and second... probably looking a little bit older, I'd imagine. Yeah. Well. That comes up. Yeah, they actually draw attention to that. Yeah. Do you remember David Tennant's naughty phase when he was like playing baddies? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, like... he's still really good. I mean, uh, him and uh, Jessica Jones is like, yeah. I think, one of his defining roles. So he had that Jessica Jones on. Wasn't he in uh, a British like crime Inside drama? Man. Yeah. yeah like, and he had a little phase where he was playing naughty people instead mm. of the goodies. He's, he's good in that. In Harry um... Potter as well, briefly, as like oh, a villain. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. He's good in that miniseries as uh, Casanova as well. Mm, yeah, so. and he actually, uh, you know what? I think I really like David Tennant. There's one where he like he gets in an, in, in an accident and has like amnesia, I think. Where right. he's trying to pick his life back up. It's really, really good. What about in Good Omens? I've not watched that. Is oh, he's great. Yeah. Yeah. I need to watch that at some point. I still haven't seen that, but everyone tells me it's good. Nice. Um, but yeah. David Tennant. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty good, actually. Hot new star. <laughs> um, but yeah, like what I really liked was they had that return to Who. Then they went completely different in the second episode. It feels way more grown up like Doctor Who is still very much it's very theatrical it's very over the top it's very much still a kid show for Mm -hmm. like most part episode two felt very grown up very like different it's basically just David Tennant and Catherine Tate on a spaceship and lots of weird stuff happens it gets a bit trippy as well it's got some great like disgusting cgi on it like it's uh, truly horrible i think that doctor who cgi shouldn't be too good and it knows that and it's perfect at applying the amount of like budget to it appropriately i mean that is up to you right that's one of the reasons i don't like it it's because like I always thought it looked, it's always cheap, but that is his vibe. It's exactly. always his vibe. Yeah. If it looked good, it wouldn't be. Yeah. <laughs> but the acting in that episode is brilliant. Like they, they sort of drill into stuff a bit deeper than we've ever seen before. And it, it just felt like a cut above what we've seen those two actors do in that show. Um, Both of them are kind of playing two separate characters in that episode, but they're oh, also cool. kind of not, which is yeah. such an interesting premise. it gets really weird and then so the like the third episode which is like this massive um finale it's got neil patrick harris in it has it and yeah that's cool it's it's really really good it's sort of it's back to that sort of like there's a big threat again um you know like you have like a dalek or cyberman or whatever like everyone knows those characters this is a different threat entirely but they make it out to be this huge thing and um yeah, he's it's... a he's a character from like some of the beginning of Doctor Who. He's like from episodes that are like some of the only ones we still have copies of. Well, from like Tom Baker yeah. era, like, or really something. way earlier. Yeah. Oh, right. yeah, okay, yeah. I don't even know what the first. guy I can't remember what the first guy was called. Um, oh, they've had loads, haven't they? There's so <laughs> it's many been going a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that I think it was a really good way to end the show. It's a really good way to also introduce the new Doctor as well. And yeah, there's going to be a special on Christmas Day, but mm-hmm. linking back to my whole award thing, um, what I really like about David Tennant is this, is like, obviously every Doctor's got their own personality, but what they really focus on with this one is 
he's the person that always helps everyone else. He's the one that mm. saves the world, like seemingly every episode, right? But in this sort of like these few episodes, he's lost. He doesn't really know where he belongs. He doesn't know why he's come back as David Tennant. And um, I think they do a really good job at sort of solidifying his like relationship with Donna. And I like that it's not one that's a love interest, which I think Doctor Who falls into quite a lot. It's always the companion, you know, loves him. He might not love her back or... Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I really love that they sort of, they tied it up in a neat way. It wasn't the way I was expecting it to end either. I don't think many people were expecting it to end that way, but I think it was just really nicely done. And yeah, relatable feeling, a bit unsure about where you fit in the world. I think he played it really well. Nice. Cool. All right. Emma, was that it? Oh, I'm That's so scared it. now. I'm going to cut you off. <laughs> Surprise entry in the last minute. <laughs> uh, cool. Okay, I'm going to do my final award, which is um, I sort of had to. This is. Uh, I wanted to talk about this show, but I didn't know how to do it. So I just came up with this way, which is I think you should watch this Tim Robinson sketch because I think you should leave. It's fucking great. And. I really, really got into it this year. Like I'd watched the previous seasons a little bit before, but I always found it a bit mm, too strange sometimes. And I was like, oh, this is a bit weird. Am I enjoying this? And I think it was talking to um, old uh, dead friend of the podcast, Gavin Murphy. And he was saying, I felt the same way at first, but I kept watching it. And then I really grew to love it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch more. And then the third season came out. And then I became so hooked that I went and rewatched it all again. And then since then, I've watched it all again as well. Wow. Did, have I, you guys uh, watched? I see Matt, you've watched it. I hung out with uh, Gav like right after the third season had come out. Uh, and we were both just quoting the egg sketch to each other. Yeah. Like, the, it's got a bush. What the hell? Uh, so, uh, so, Emma, have you seen it? I've seen, I think I've seen season one. Okay. So I think season three is probably the best as well, to be honest. Although saying that, it all kind of blurs into one. Mm. It's just I just think of sketches as opposed to episodes. Uh, but I picked out three sketches from this season that really sort of have like stuck with me in terms of quotes and, and like performance. I just wanted a spotlight. Um, runners up are Shirt Brother. I don't know if you remember Very that one, good. Matt. Very good one. Which is just one where he runs into it. They go into a school, a child's play at school, and he runs into another guy who's wearing the exact same shirt as him. And that guy, like, forms a bond and calls him a shirt brother. And then halfway through the play, that guy comes over to him and is like, I need your help, shirt brother. And he comes to him, and then he's having, like, an existential crisis where he's insisting on trashing this room because he listened to a song that told him there are no rules. So he's decided there's no rules in society anymore. And it, but he oh wins you over by the end of yeah, it. It, it seems does. ridiculous. And then you're like, you know what? Biff whiff. You got, you got it, good... Do you know what? It's got a really beautiful message to it as well. Yeah. But it's also really... It's so funny. Um, another one... Uh, you, people might have seen this one. This one was the one that was doing all the rounds with the press. But it was the pay it forward uh, yep. sketch, which is very, about very him good. going to a fast food order and deciding, saying, do you know what? I'm going to be nice. And I'm going to pay for the guy behind me. Let's let's pay it forward, and then you know, hopefully this catches on, and everyone can pay for everyone. I've and seen this like, one. That's lovely. <laughs> I've seen it on TikTok. And then he zips his car around as fast as possible to get in before, and then orders fifty five burgers, fifty five fries, fifty five mirrors. <laughs> tries to like, yeah, oh, it's so funny. Like, uh, do you also love that it's Damien Sandow as well? Yeah. In the oh, car? yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. Uh, but my favourite one. And I think it relates back to our reality show chat earlier. And I do have a soft spot for reality shows sometimes, but it's the zipline sketch. Yeah. Where yeah, he's really on good. a love he's on a, a love dating reality show now. You know, one like The Bachelor, where it's 
10 guys and one of them gets to date this girl and they're all in the same area. Um, and then he gets pulled up for nomination for elimination and it's him between him and this other guy. And a whole reason, she does this whole reason about why she might choose the one guy. And then she gets to Tim Robinson. And so the whole reason she might choose him is because he, he seems like he's only there for the zip line because they've got a zip line at a pool. And all it is is just loads of shots of him riding the zip line. And then they do this big story about how even one day where they the producers tried to get him to stay away from the zip line and he came and ate food and he just eats it as fast as he can so he can go back on the zip line again. And then the, he starts <laughs> really the best, defensive like, about it. Understated joke in that as well is that it's not the first set of eliminations as yeah. well. Like he's <laughs> yeah. actually gotten pretty far. I've never thought the... about that. <laughs> yeah. And then there's this bit when he's arguing with the guy from Event Adventure 365 who operates yeah. the zip line. <laughs> those are like... my favorite bits about those sketches as well, is that like he inevitably includes some weird brand name yeah, yeah. like brand <laughs> names that aren't a joke is really funny to me yeah oh it's such a funny show man like if you're emma you should, they're so easy to watch because they're like 15 minute episodes they usually have like one long skit at the end but mo a lot of them are like 30 seconds a minute or so and there's lots of famous people that appear in them um what's a guy uh jason schwartzman is a really funny one and season three as well that i like yeah you gotta check this out so I'd say if you like a bit of surreal comedy, but you, I think you have to get past the fact that it is particularly weird in places. Mm. But once you really get into the vibe of it and the tone of it, it's just so addictive. In fact, I might watch it again. Tonight. Like, <laughs> I do occasionally just pull yourself. up like yeah. certain clips. Oh, like, so yeah, they're really great. It really boosts you. Yeah, absolutely. Matt, your final award. This wraps cool. up. I'm not going to tell you what the award is until I've uh, talked about both things that are in it. Okay. Uh, I'm using this as an opportunity really to talk about both of these shows because we haven't, I don't think, on the show mm -hmm. yet. Uh, Blue Eye Samurai, which I haven't finished, but is completely, it's very good. I prefer um, Scavenger's Reign, obviously, mm -hmm. but uh, check out Blue, Blue Eye Samurai if you get the chance. It's like a samurai show about um, someone that, you know what, I won't spoil any of the specifics of that, but really well am animated Um really good writing and character direction stuff mm -hmm. uh i don't really want to say more than that but really no, give it a okay. go it's on netflix you got time check it out um and the other show is called the curse is this the people just do nothing people no it's uh one of like? the safety brothers uh what? of you know a24s the one with adam sandler i'm forgetting uh uncut gems oh nathan and fielder yeah I think. and okay, also right. nathan fielder uh yeah. with emma stone Yes. Who have an amazing year. I haven't seen Poor Things yet, but I'm absolutely desperate to. I did see um, Emma Stone and Nathan Fielder did like a parody for uh, the, oh, what's the Sydney it Sweeney, called? Uh, yeah, that's coming yeah, out. Yeah, that's quite which, funny, yeah. So I also really loved the follow-up that Nathan Fielder did that was like, we filmed this months ago. We didn't even know that there was a trailer <laughs> like this. Like, <laughs> um, so The Curse is a show about these two real estate developers that... Yeah. Um, are trying to run like an HGTV thing, like a home where's like, here's what you could do to make your house more sustainable. Mm -hmm. But we're doing it in this specific area of the country because we really love it. Um, and then there's some motivations that get revealed later on. Um, and it's called The Curse because some reasons, but they're not necessarily very nice people, even though they're presenting themselves to be. Sure. Okay. Um the way that these two are connected is that the category is called the best casual depiction of frontal male nudity. Ooh, lovely. Yeah, so <laughs> there are... Yeah, in Blue Eye Samurai, it's just kind of in there. But The Curse has a very, very deliberate scene of frontal male nudity that is uh, put, one of the funniest things I've seen all year. 
You could have put Gen V in this as well. That's yeah, that's just true. Casual frontal male nudity. Extra, there, extra runner up. Yeah. Um, there is actually, I, I just quickly Googled it. There is a TV, a British TV series called The Curse that came out last year that has the people just, you know, think guys in it. Okay. Which is weird. But also want to watch that. But also I love Nathan Fielder, so I'm going to give it a shot when I get a chance. It is. Um, yeah, I had some people over and I watched two episodes there and we were like glued, to, like our faces were like, our hands were in front of our faces, like couldn't watch certain scenes. It's like, it's incredibly funny, but it's cringe as fuck in some places. <laughs> nice. Awesome. Mm-hmm. That's the show, guys. Good time. A lot of good television spoke about, I think. And also lots of things, especially for me, that I've added to my list that I definitely want to check out over Christmas. So good time was had by all. Uh, that's it for this podcast. Um, I This is supposed to go out on the 29th, so I don't know what's next after that. I imagine it's probably I look forward to 2024 and looking for all the cool games movies tvs that are going to come out next year so look forward to that but um we also just, end up doing a so what did you play during the break yeah, episode, yeah so we'll probably yeah, do yeah. that too standard 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 but i just want to say to our audience as well i hope you had a wonderful 2023 and have a happy new year as well and we'll see you all in 2024 thanks guys bye bye, bye. Hey folks, I'm Yen. And I'm Nat. And we're the hosts of Comic Sans, the podcast about comics for those who are sans knowledge. Comic Sans is a show for people who know nothing about comics, like me. And people who love them, like me, and want to learn more about them. What makes you an authority on comic books? I read them, write them, live them, breathe them. What makes you the authority on knowing nothing? Honestly, Yen, two seasons in, I actually know a little more than I used to. You're welcome. The reason for that is that every episode, I make Nat read one of my favorite comics, like Daredevil Saga or This One Summer. And then he tells me what makes that comic so special. And then I hear what Nat thinks, and I try to avoid a pulmonary embolism. While I actively try to give him one. You can listen to the second season of Comic Sans now. With new episodes every two weeks. Wherever you get your podcasts. You know, Yen, I think I know so much about comics now that this might have to be our last season. Nat, there will forever be more comic than you will ever know. What does that even mean? I don't know. It sounds profound, though. Right?